So I'm Rachel Pereira, and my business is Mastermind Business Services. We provide operations support for small businesses and social impact nonprofits who are scaling and would like to do it in a sustainable way. Okay, so my first question is, that all sounds amazing, but how on earth did you get to this point? Have you always been in business or have you got a different background and you just kind of ended up here? Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, so I started my business in 2020, so I definitely have not been a <laughs> legacy entrepreneur of sorts. Um, my background was in finance, so I worked in consumer lending and private wealth management, and then before that, I worked in retail, but I have been leading teams and working in the operations area of businesses since I was 17, and so it's been, I'm going to age myself a little bit, with three-year break, it's been about 12 years of working in, in this field, and so the business felt like it came naturally to me. Um, it was spurred a bit by the pandemic. I feel like so many people have big changes of life stories in 2020, but it definitely like, I, I knew it was time to go out on my own. And how have you found that the last few years? Cause I know obviously the pandemic was, you know, people didn't know it was going to happen and none of us knew how it was going to affect business. And now everything has calmed down a little bit. Have you seen, you know, the business fluctuate? Or has it been quite stable over time? I'm interrupting my own episode today very quickly just to give you a podcast exclusive offer as a thank you for being here and for listening and for just being amazing. Um, so I have put together five templates that are email templates for difficult client conversations. So things like um, wanting to raise your prices and thinking how on earth do I communicate that without losing all of my clients but still being assertive um, implementing your boundaries so maybe your clients are pushing boundaries or you've never communicated them and you really want to communicate with them that they need to respect your boundaries going forward so that you can do your job and not be overwhelmed but you don't know how to communicate that um, the others are asking for feedback making a change to something so maybe you want to use a new system or new client communication basically there are five plug and play email templates for those difficult client conversations that I have written out for you, all you need to do is download them, copy and paste them into an email, fill in the bits that are highlighted yellow so that you can put your own information in, send it away and it is done. No more stressing, no more panicking about how difficult it is to step into your CEO and communicate those messages. I have done hard work for you. So these are gonna be for sale in an email funnel behind the scenes for 25 pound. But for those of you listening, they are 9.99. So all you need to do is DM me on Instagram at virtually done or send me an email at hello at virtually done.co. Say podcast templates, and I will send them to you for $9.99. That's a great question. So I have pivoted a few times in my business. When I started out, I was a virtual assistant, and then I was working as an OBM, um, and then I became a director of operations. Um, and then I realized that the way I was working as a solopreneur was not aligned with like where I was going in my overall vision. And so a little over a year ago, MBS became an agency and I have a team of experts who now support me and we changed up our service offerings. So the agency has no retainer offers. We are all project-based, but we work on, you know, like larger projects. Uh, so they're three months to six months, nine months, 12 months, depending on how much work there is. Um, and I work with clients one-to-one -one in a fractional capacity as like strategic advisory. And so the business has changed so much in the last almost three years that it feels unrecognizable to me from when I started it in 2020, like in a good way. Uh, but all of the pivoting and really finding what works for me 
and finding you know what best resonates with the kind of clients that I want to support was definitely a journey. And I feel like the pandemic brought so many people into the online business space that when I first started, it enabled me to um, grow a little more rapidly because there were a lot of small businesses that needed help that didn't have the operations and tech background that I do. I'm so interested by the fact that you do um, kind of like one-off work rather than those retainers, because I find that a lot of people have retainer packages as the goal because they feel that that gives them financial security and they're better able to kind of predict things. They don't have to be finding a constant stream of new clients. So how do you find that? Is that something that causes you any sort of like concern or does it just feel good for you? Another good question. So when I had exclusively retainer clients, it was... It just wasn't a good, like it wasn't what I really wanted to be doing. I, I like the variety and I also have found to some degree that once your business hits a certain point, having a contractor running your operations is not the best move for a growing business. You need someone who's dedicated. Um, and so the clients we were supporting, like I felt like they would be better off with employees and realizing that I was like, okay, I'm not loving retainers because of the way they're set up and like you get into the nitty gritty and it's always like the, like there's more, okay. When you hire someone to do operations on the daily basis, everything is all the time, if that makes sense. So like you are as involved in someone's business to almost to the point the business owner is. And so, you know, you're in Slack every day, you're checking messages. If there's a launch, you're working late, you're working weekends, you're working holidays, like you're supporting them. And it became um, not aligned with like where I want to go. So the only retainers that I offer are working with me one-to-one. So that gives me, I guess, a little bit of that stability that you're speaking to. But if the pandemic taught me anything, it's that there is no stable paycheck, whether you're W-2 or on retainer or project-based. And I've been very fortunate that I have an amazing team. And so we have several clients who we do operations projects with them every single quarter. um, So we're helping them build their infrastructure so that they'll be able to successfully hire employees in the coming years. I love that. And I think it just really speaks to the fact that there might be ways of doing things typically in your industry, but actually you've got to figure out firstly what works for you. And actually, sometimes you realize that your clients need something different and the way things have always been done isn't necessarily the way that they should always be done. So I love that you're doing things differently. Um, How are you finding having a team? Because I know that can be a challenge. Yeah. So I think um, when I started, so I'll take it back. When I worked in high school, I had a job at our local grocery store and I started working as a cashier. I did stocking. Like it was a, you know, it was a smaller town. So it's like small town grocery store. And I was, I love that job. Um, You know, when you're working in high school, like all your friends are working, like it was just a fun time. And my senior year of high school, they needed uh, a new cash office assistant manager. And so I was promoted to that role and that was my first taste, very tiny taste, but taste of managing people. And it it taught me a lot. And I really, I didn't realize it at the time, like I didn't have the context to put it into words, but people leadership is one of my favorite things. So leading a team is never without its issues or struggles, but I've been very strategic in who I bring into my circle. So we are very open and transparent with each other. Um, If there's a problem, we immediately discuss it. Boundaries are respected and, you know, friendships are made. Like 
all of my team right now are contractors. And so they're also business owners. And so we'll do things like, um, like we're right now we're planning. So it's, since it's, we're just December 1st, as of recording this, um, we're going to do a group strategic planning session together for the new year and have like little accountability pods, like even within my own team, because they're also growing their own businesses. And so it's just like little things, I think of supporting the whole person has made it easier to be a better leader. If someone's listening to this and they um, are thinking of hiring their own team, what would be your number one piece of advice? Ooh, know yourself. Um, and you need to, because you need to decide if you want to hire a team that is that fills in your weaknesses or supports your strengths. And, you know, as you grow your business, you're going to want both people on your team. Um, and so know yourself deeply, like know your weaknesses, know areas of opportunity for yourself. So that way, when you're hiring, you are clear on that and you can fill those gaps for your business. And you can also work on, sometimes it's hard to be, um, to see your weaknesses when like someone else is like really good at it. Sometimes it's hard to watch someone be really great at something that you struggle with. So be ready for what being a, a real leader, not just a manager means. Yeah, I love that 100%. And where do you tend to find these people that you hire? So I have, I spent the first year of my business having copy chats with literally anyone who would book with me. And so I built up a network of other service providers. And so I share, like I did a lot of hiring for clients and I use tools like LinkedIn, um, certain, if it's a contractor role, certain specific Facebook groups, Indeed. And so I had kind of built a network of people who knew that I was hired, that I was someone who hired often and that my team and people leadership practices were supportive of the whole person. And so I kind of established that reputation pretty early on in my business. And so when I post job openings, usually I get a lot of very qualified applicants. And so I have like, a, I guess, a pool of people that I maintain relationships with that I can reach out to if I need their help for a contract. I just want to pick up on what you said about those coffee chats. Um, do you think that helped you get in your clients along the way? Because I know the number one question I get is, how do I find those clients? So do you think that contributed? Yes, I am not like good with paid ads. You could argue I'm not great at selling from social media, but what I am good at is relationship-based sales. And so forming those relationships didn't always lead directly to a client but is what's allowed my business to grow. Like right now, uh, my goal for 2023 is to move my business marketing and sales. So it's not just referrals. Like right now it's predominantly referral based. And that's because I spent so much time investing in the relationships in my network. So I've sent a lot of clients to people, people send clients to me and, and we know each other's values and core beliefs really well. So it's made it easier I think to to grow our businesses together and share that, you know, the great clients with each other. And did you ever have moments where you were doing those coffee chats and referring people and having conversations and building friendships where you questioned whether it was ever going to convert into anything? Did you ever feel like giving up? Oh, yes. <laughs> so much. Um, there was a period of time where I was doing probably 10 to 12 coffee chats a week. And, um, you know, they can't all be winners. Like I'm not close friends with all of them. Like we're not in the same network. They didn't all result in clients. Hell half the time, you know, you hop on a coffee chat and someone's trying to sell you something. Um, 
but I think it taught me a lot about like, I guess the cold sales of sorts, like meeting people who you know nothing about, who know nothing about you and how to handle that conversation, um, how to, you know, really nurture a, a business relationship. Uh, but definitely like there was multiple times where I'd be frustrated. Like I'd sent someone like a couple clients and like, they were like, thanks. And I was like, great. <laughs> Do you have any like, and, but then I think it taught me that that reciprocal expectation was part of the reason why I was dissatisfied with the way things were going is you can't, it's not sustainable to meet people with the expectation that they'll refer people to you if you refer people to them. Yes. I say this all the time about social media. You can't post a post with the expectation that it's going to convert into something because then you're never going to enjoy the process. A hundred percent. Is there anything that you look back at that time and wish you'd done differently? Like, would you do it all the same? Would you do less coffee chats, but, you know, speak to more qualified leads or something? Or do you genuinely think that you would do it all again? Ooh, so I would keep the coffee chats, but I think I would have been a little more selective. Like when I say that anyone who was interested, I talked to, I mean it. <laughs> I think I would have been a little more selective and a little more strategic about who I was talking to. Not just you know, not just talking to people who could benefit me immediately, but also making sure that I'm talking to people who were more, who were always value aligned because that's a core piece for me and growing my business is, you know, that my network is very aligned with my values. And so some of that was difficult. And honestly, I would spend less time worrying about social media and a social media presence and spend more time focused on market research and talking to the people I wanted to support. I think that's great advice. And I think um, with social media, sometimes people think that results are going to happen really quickly. And actually, you're really, you're right that it's relationship building, you need to have those conversations, and you can't just show up and expect people to want to work with you. It is one of those things that takes a bit of time, and it takes some effort. But I really think when you put that work in initially, it will, it will bring you work for like years to come. You know, you might speak to someone and they might pop up five years later with the perfect referral. So I do think it's worth doing and putting the time and energy into, but I totally get that when you're in it, it feels like you're banging your head against the wall sometimes. <laughs> yes. Well, and I liked your episode where you talk about like what you do in a day and you know, you, it wasn't, your day wasn't full of making a bunch of TikToks and making a bunch of reels and hopping around on all these different calls. Like you're very intentional with your time. And I think, if I could go back in time and tell myself anything, I would tell myself that like, don't let your calendar run you. Um, you need to run your time because if you're not in charge of your time, then you're not going to hit those objectives. Yes. And I think it's, it's easy to say now, isn't it? But when you're just starting a business, you have no idea what you're doing and you're making it up as you go along. And I remember my calendar just used to be filled with calls and I, I hate calls. I don't get on many calls, but I used to like cram as many as I could into a week. And then I would feel so exhausted and I'd have no time to even do any work. Um, but I think it was, I had to go through that before I realized that that didn't work for me. One, 1000%. I agree with that. I've, I am one of those people who's regularly packing my calendar of all these different things. And it's, it's not something I do long-term, like uh, there's seasons for it. Like right now, this is my heaviest call season because everybody's, 
you know, worried about the new year and I'm doing um, like podcast interviews and working with my own team. And so there's like a lot of calls, but I know that the season doesn't last forever because Q1, um, the first month gets a little quieter for my calendar, which is nice, but I, I get it, like, you have to make it work for you. It has to be something that's sustainable for you. And I think, to be honest, I think a lot of us who've been working, you know, before the pandemic or during the pandemic are kind of a little Zoom fatigued. Yes, I totally know what you mean. And I think this comes back to your advice earlier of knowing yourself, right? Because it's like, for one person, they might have five calls a day and be really energized by that. And that might be exactly what they need. But it's knowing, actually, this isn't good for me. Like this doesn't work for me. And forgetting what everyone else is doing and leaning into what works for you and what makes you feel good and then allowing yourself to grow your business in that way yes exactly see I knew I knew we would align (laughs) (laughs) okay I have one final question for you so you talked a little bit about how you've like pivoted along that journey and the business you've got now is so different from what you started with have you found it easy to to grow and expand and adapt or has it been quite difficult to let go of those kind of original business identities and step into whatever you're doing next? Ooh, so I think from a me as the founder perspective, I feel like the moment I'm pivoting is the moment where you feel your stomach and your throat. Like it just, it feels, literally makes me nauseous. Like it's so scary and overwhelming, but I know that I have to trust myself and coming out of the other side of a pivot feels amazing. From a marketing standpoint and just like a strategic brand standpoint, it's probably not been great to confuse my audience by changing so many times, but I just remind myself, like I'm a startup. I'm in the first couple years of running a business and I'm, I'm gonna, it's not like I'm, it's not like I went from being you know, one-to-one in operations to offering like SEO services. Like it's, I'm still along the same lines. It's just making sure that everyone's aware of what I'm doing now. And I, I wouldn't change doing the pivots, but I probably would have taken the time earlier on to figure out who I wanted to work with and how I wanted to work with them. But, you know, you live and you learn. And I think if I hadn't gone through those struggles, because pivoting is not easy, um, I would not be where I am today. Yeah. And I really think that the business that you start with is very rarely the business you end up with, because I think sometimes you just need to get into the industry, work with a few clients, try some things, fail at some things before you can figure out what it is you actually want to do. And I think so often people try and shove themselves in a box and they're like, oh no, I've called myself a VA, for example. So I have to be a VA forever. And that just creates this feeling of being stuck and, and trapped and that's exactly why most people leave their full-time job so I always admire people who follow whatever the pivot is even when it's scary um where can people come and find you because I feel like so many people are going to find this episode interesting and want to come and check you out so where are you yeah so you can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook (laughs) and I have a podcast but the easiest way to find all of that is to go to my website mastermindbusinessservices.com Amazing. I will put all of the links in the show notes so people can come in, have a look at what you're up to. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. This has been fantastic.